0: Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic Science Podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, our post election edition. Um, so, Bill and I uh, have had a lot of fun in this conversation. Yeah, we, uh, we talk a lot about philosophy of government and, and the personalities in politics and the relationship between science and politics. Uh, be sure to listen through to the end because uh, we put a question to you, dear listener. Um, what should we call our uh, our new presidential cage match uh, reality TV show? Because clearly, in this era, in order to have a viable candidacy for president, you need to uh, we, we need uh, someone who's been on a reality TV show. I, that's that's probably the best way forward. Maybe a talk show. Um, I, I, I have heard people float uh, Oprah's name, and to be perfectly honest, um, of all the people who I've ever heard uh, mentioned on the Democratic side of the ledger um, Oprah would, uh, I would actually kick the tires on voting for Oprah. Um, I can't say that about most of them, but <laughs> I would do that for Oprah. Um, so yeah, uh, uh th- throw us your ideas at, uh, that's the second millennium.net and we'll, uh, we'll remind you of that at the end and, uh, hope you enjoy it. We had fun at least. I hope you will too. There's political punditry, and then there's TSSM political punditry, and you can be sure, dear listener, that the, this is unique content you're not going to get anywhere else.
1: Ah, and uh, there you go. <laughs> that, and that's, that is a definite selling point for us, isn't it? That's uh, right. That's
0: uh, right. That, that is yes. the whole point. That is the whole point. Yes. And, when,
1: and when you say, uh, Paul, that we are in a remarkably... Uh, maybe not great, but a certainly unique and, uh, and valuable position to do political punditry because politics just keeps getting more mysterious uh, uh, all the time. Bizarre, bizarre is another good word for it. Word. Yes, yeah. yes. I was preferring not to necessarily uh, completely uh, equate a TSSM with the bizarre, but you know, uh, these days, yeah, bizarre is just a small step above the mysterious and the weird and the uh, uncom- discomforting and, yeah, and all it, those things.
0: It, yeah. it, all, it all depends uh, what the emotional connotations you uh, you haul along with you. Uh, some people consider weird to be an uh, insult. Um, I don't know that I ever have.
1: No, me neither. Me neither. So, and yeah. uh, bizarre sounds, I, I, I'm very comfortable with the word bizarre. I remember very fondly the, uh, uh, was it Saturday Night Live that did the Bizarro World skits?
0: Did they? Uh, th- I'm, not, I'm, not a great, so. I'm not a connoisseur of Saturday Night Live, for better or for better. Well, yeah,
1: um, I'm, I, I'm only a, um, uh, a connoisseur of the early episodes, uh, unfortunately, where my, um, where my uh, memory uh, syndrome uh, kind of uh, kicks in. But um, I think there was a bizarro world. And um, then another word that I love, have always loved, is absurd. I just love that word. Yeah. And abs- absurd says a lot, doesn't it? I'm, it does. Is, yeah. Does absurd have any serious philosophical or etymological? Was, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, absurd. I mean, I, I think one, one of the many reasons that uh, I, I have a certain uh, skepticism or, or distaste for the modern philosophical uh, milieu is that the phil- modern philosophers throw words like absurd at each other a lot. Or is incoherent. Right they like incoherent, perhaps more it? than absurd. Uh, but okay, uh, they're they're rough synonyms. Why well, your 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 point is incoherent? It doesn't even, or it's absurd. It's you know, it doesn't even make sense. That's,
1: Interesting. That's,
0: that's that's become a way of uh, of of criticizing. I mean, it's the nuclear option, basically. Of uh, full philosophical yeah. argument. This is so I don't even have to answer this because it's not even coherent. It doesn't even make sense. You're not even so, saying yeah. anything
1: but uh, i I was afraid from the stereotypical perhaps uh, uh, critiques I had heard of modern philosophy i was uh, I was a bit concerned that um, philosophy now was actually valuing uh, the incoherent or at least was was kind of uh, affectionately um, leaning in that direction that uh, you know things don't have to be coherent at least in the traditional sense
0: i mean there's so many people. Doing philosophy, just like there's so many people doing anything these days. I mean, in that in a balkanized field like that, there are people there are people doing just what I was talking about, and then there are people glorying in the absurd, like you're talking about.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose we should share the fact that uh, that it's a diverse and diversifying field, but to the degree that it becomes almost uh, so diversified that it loses track of the central meaning, which is love of truth, right? Isn't that philosophy? Gosh, love, you would hope love so. Love of, love of wisdom, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. of wisdom, and therefore, yeah, yeah. And of course, what do you mean by wisdom there? But uh, Well, that's I mean, right. That's truth, right. truth, hopefully, centrally. And then, you know, I mean, classically, it was understood, especially by, you know, the descendants of Socrates um, pursuing, you know, how, how to live your life well. Which gives right. context for in the early centuries the fathers of the church um, presented Christianity as a philosophy. Indeed, um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't uh, the, the distinctions that uh, I, I read this summer a book by um, when he was cardinal. I think it was when he was cardinal Ratzinger. Maybe maybe it was one of the things that came out when he was pope, um, Pope Benedict's um, a discussion of he, he ran down many many. Uh, in, Uh, intellectual figures from the dawn of Christianity all the way down to uh, the late, the high middle ages, maybe the, maybe the very earliest stages of the Renaissance prior, prior to the reformation. Um, And, and he made that point. I mean, I think I, I I almost venture to say he hammered the point um, uh, of, of just what I said, that the Christianity did not distinguish itself from philosophy. Theology was not distinguished from philosophy until until you know, like the likes of say Peter Lombard and the what was Peter Lombard twelfth century,
1: mm-hmm.
0: eleven hundreds. You know, a few, a couple generations before Thomas Aquinas, maybe maybe three or four.
1: Wow, you have a deep knowledge of that uh, uh, of those folks. Uh, I, I, my only knowledge of Peter Lawford is. Uh, from uh, the 50s television. I, uh, <laughs> Slightly different,
0: yes. Yeah, a little different
1: Peter Lawford, <laughs> we'll,
0: I think. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, Peter Lombard rather than Peter Lawford, yes.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My ears are going now, too. Well, anyway, but
0: <laughs> it's the classic. It's the classic. Uh, if you, you take something, you take some sensory input, and you try to ram it into matching something that's already up there in the gray matter somewhere. So.
1: Right. And and isn't that exactly what's going on in our uh, social media? No and digital culture, where uh, you know we don't want to be bothered by anything that doesn't already fit with our uh, current limited understanding. We oh don't, don't confuse yeah. don't confuse me with the facts,
0: right? Right? Which yeah. which which is which could segue into any number of things. Um, the one on my mind currently <laughs> is the I do find myself wanting to join the legions of people cackling with glee at uh, how badly uh, polls did yes for the second yes. straight presidential election.
1: Yes, oh. and how and therefore, inseparably, how badly the media did in yep. grasping uh, the, uh, you know, that there's still a huge uh, population out there that, uh, that feels very strongly about Trump, or at least feels very strongly against uh, the Democratic Party.
0: Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, in this year when people thought, oh, yeah, all the momentum is going to be with the Democrats. Well, I mean, first of all, they nominated Joe Biden. Right um, not a momentum catalyzing figure. I don't think, uh, make, I don't think you can make that argument. No, I, I, I really you don't. Can. I, I don't agree. Yes. <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders at least would have been some kind of momentum, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, the people in the democratic party weren't, there weren't enough people in the democratic party enthused about Bernie Sanders from to actually win the primaries. So, so here we are. And, uh, yeah, and then and then yeah. if, if Trump Trump's you know probably going to lose by a fingernail,
1: but the, sounds like it might. Yeah, it might, but the, but, yeah. but the
0: marvelous thing is that the Senate's going to be basically unchanged.
1: Yes, yeah, Eileen and I were we were calling that the wisdom of crowds. That um, it, you know it, there was no um, there was no organized. Movement with commercials on TV for all right, folks. If you do, even if you don't think uh, Trump can win, at least please uh, make sure that the Senate is a is a bulwark. Uh, There was no such thing, but but the people of America did it anyway.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, this is in some ways this is as good a possible outcome as as you know, given given the people who are actually running. Uh, I mean, this is, yeah, this is, this is my personal preference. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have the, let the country have a breathing, some breathing space. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to look forward and say, okay, so who is going to, and of course people are already, I guess, I guess there aren't that many people. I haven't actually seen much of this. People are too, too hung up on, you know, exactly like, well, Trump's got to win Pennsylvania and then he's got to win Georgia and he's got to win, you know, one of Nevada, uh, the Arizona. And I'm right. already like, well, either either Donald Trump or Joe Biden is going to be president, and I'm not enthused about either one of those. So I'm right. I'm, I'm I'm interested in 2024, and yeah, uh, in fact, that, I'm interested in 2028 and 2032 as well.
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? And um, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, commentators slash anchors last night was saying that it is indeed immediately time right now. To be thinking about uh, what you know, uh, uh, what what will be the Republican strategy? What will be your own personal philosophy and your own personal approach to politics uh, for 2024? And uh, there's no time like today to uh, to start thinking about that. And and I agree. Um, I forget exactly what she was using as justification uh, for that. Uh, she was too. She too was kind of transcending all of the, you know, uh, the endless legal and court battles that we're about to face. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's. Uh, oh, I, I guess the whole idea is that we're in a holding pattern for two years. Yeah. And so yeah. And so. Um, uh, and we. And I think almost everybody agrees that our politics is broken. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, and but so unfortunately yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. we have we're split fifty fifty down the middle with people who think, well, we just need I mean, that's the problem, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. the last time the Democrats controlled all three, you know, both houses of Congress and the presidency was twenty two thousand nine and twenty ten. And what came out of that? Well, the you know, what is it called? I can't even remember the the non-Obamacare name, which I, I think Obamacare is a needlessly pejorative name. You know, yeah, our, yeah, our
1: the, yeah. Our, yes, our current American healthcare
0: American, system
1: affordable affordable, affordable
0: care
1: affordable care act or something like that
0: yeah the aca yeah.
1: i think yeah
0: yeah yeah there you go so yeah. um, and while i mean i'm i'm a, i'm certainly of the opinion that the the healthcare system we had in america in 2008 was certainly broken um, Right. it's possible the aca has made things somewhat better in certain ways um, it could definitely be radically improved Right. Um, that's something I don't know. I don't know how much we'll be able to get out of Aida when we uh, talk to her next week about uh, about things like that. But the, but that's certainly on my on my mind to talk to my friend Are, Aida Ramos. We're going to talk. Yeah, her. that's
1: going to be a good conversation.
0: Yeah. It is. Yeah. She's an economics professor down at the University of Dallas. So uh, all these economics and political political economics questions, we're, we're going to save saving up for that. And what else came out of that era? I mean, what else came out of 2009 and 2010?
1: uh let's see uh well a whole lot was talked about everything from the wall to uh 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 what were some of the other big issues back no, then
0: all, uh, all the way back then well i mean we're talking you know the democratic oh i'm sorry 2008 i'm thinking
1: yeah. of 2016 yeah 2016. i can't i yeah i can't think that far back uh, my nope. my uh a wall has been built around my consciousness
0: that's right think, yeah uh, it was a long yeah. time ago that's a long time yes. ago. 10 years ago.
1: Well, well, 2008 was, um, 2008 was a horrible, horrible time. 2009 was a horrible time and yeah. everything I've, everything, and this is something to ask Aida, Aida uh, everything that I, well, met much of what I've read since then indicates that, uh, you know, we were at a pivot point right there. Uh, you know, when uh, things really kind of hit bottom in the economy and, um, uh, we, we it was almost then and there that our leaders chose what's come to be called a K-shaped eco- uh, K-shaped recovery, mm. Um, mm. and um, and so basically uh, whatever they did back then started the process of the rich getting richer mm-hmm. and the poor getting poorer.
0: Oh, I don't know. I think that's that's continued something that was already already happening. Uh, a yeah.
1: v- <laughs> very good point. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes no in fact that was part of what what caused the 2008 mess in the beginning right people the the poor were getting poorer and we and uh, the government with through fannie mae uh, etc had sold uh, all of those lucky poor people uh you know a house
0: right right uh, yeah, yeah, that they uh, that they couldn't afford the, the subprime crisis yes
1: right exactly uh, so we keep kicking the can down the road and we keep pretending to ourselves that the, 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 um, the uh, working class, uh, it's almost meaningless to talk about a middle class much anymore because they're kind of just uh, holding on for dear life. Um, uh, the, uh, the working class has kept getting um, more, uh, more fragile. And at the same time, ironically, it's this year that we're declaring them to be the um, essential workers. And declaring that they have to ride the subways and the buses and uh, uh, keep 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 going to work under the most uh, health risky uh, yeah. conditions yeah, yeah. They're, and they're yeah. they're put they're the ones who are putting the food on our shelves yeah and they're yeah. the ones who are cleaning the bathrooms and the hospitals that are staying open for covid
0: yeah, yeah.
1: you know it's oh my goodness the absurd if there's my word absurd again I'm gonna say that it's absurd
0: yes <laughs> that's yeah. what we might
1: that's yeah yeah, but no. I, yeah, uh, do you have another point to make about good old two thousand eight yeah, to two thousand sixteen?
0: Two thousand well, two thousand nine, twenty ten. I mean, so you know, this is and this is where I, I, you know, I try to distance myself from you know being just a died-in-the-wall Republican. I think died-in-the-wall Republicans would claim that you know the economic. Um, Innovations, you know, the, pull, the, the pulling on economic levers in 2009-2010 um, resulted in a sluggish, you know, dawdling recovery for the country. And then yeah. and then, when Republicans controlled all three of those um, bodies, the White House and both co- Houses of Congress in 2017 and 2018, um, well, they signally failed to actually pass any kind of useful um, health care reform. Right. Um, but uh, but a died in the wool Republican would tell would presumably say that. But they passed tax reform and whatnot, and oh, uh, yes, the economy's right. been a lot better since then.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I, I I think uh, for instance uh, my family did uh, benefit uh, from from that uh, tax uh, law uh, to some degree um, uh, with the larger uh, you know automatic deductibility I, for, I forget exactly the uh, the terms that were in use but mm-hmm. um, uh, at the same time I doubt that it had that much of a macroeconomic effect that uh, you know suddenly uh, uh, the economy was robust likewise I doubt that the um, uh, cutting back of regulations uh, had that much of a robust effect um, I do think that you know the, uh, even when I was covering government as a journalist, um, in um, oh, much earlier prehistoric periods, like 1985 to 1995, I go. was in Washington, yeah. and um, I remember even then that you know there was concern that the Federal Register, which publishes every day mm-hmm. the uh, the new regulations being issued by every agency, uh, that was getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Yeah, every day, True. and and there is and it does make sense just from a moderation point of view, the golden mean. Yeah. Um, it does make sense that uh, you know we should hold that back a bit and so uh, so on that level in a general way i can support what what trump was doing but i don't think that that was a key, a key to to some kind of macroeconomic uh, uh golden age i think it was mostly just that the fed started um, being less afraid to uh, to print money like uh, you know it was uh, you know just like a home uh, a xerox machine or something <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah. You know? yeah 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 and xerox doesn't even make photocopiers anymore probably they, not. They, maybe yeah. they do maybe they do i don't know yeah. i don't know what xerox makes all right. i know that xerox had a chance to make the first mouse xerox uh-huh. invented the first computer mouse didn't it
0: um, there was some early innovation in personal computers that uh, Xerox completely uh, dropped the ball on. Yeah, I, I remember exactly. Yeah, that. the
1: CEO, the CEO said, "Hey, come on, guys, we're we're a photocopier company. What are we? Let's let's uh, you know, let's forget about this thing called a mouse." Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, so you. Uh, so our our, our imagination um, is so important, and there you go. As far as the connection to our show. Our, mm-hmm. to our podcast, um, if you had to, I don't think there's been much imagination going oh, uh, on. No. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Wouldn't no, you agree? there's no. both parties mm. have a very standard playbook. I mean, the Democrats playbook changes, but it's changing in one very predictable direction.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, Towards it's, socialism, et cetera?
0: Well, I mean, there's that, but it's also, I mean, and, and then there's the social playbook, which is also changing in a single oh, very yes. predictable direction, which is simply try to you know, transgress as many societal conventions as possible. I mean, just right.
1: <laughs> and 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 to kind of deconstruct all institutions.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Except uh, and except, yeah. Their except. except their own,
1: except their own, except government, and <laughs> yeah. and talk about incoherence. Why would we be um, putting all of our faith in government just at a time when we see that? It's now um, trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and uh, totally unsustainable. Uh, and yet we're we're um, uh, pushing things like the Green New Deal, which, regardless of its uh, uh, regardless of its wisdoms, uh, whatever they may be, and I just don't know enough of it. Uh, uh, wouldn't it be absurd to to spend fifty trillion more? Or well, or whatever on that. When you know we all of this we know is unsustainable. Right. That's incoherent. Right. That's incoherent, yeah. and certainly not. Maybe it's imaginative to have the Green New Deal, but imagination has to be re, uh, rooted in reality.
0: Uh yeah I forget what I forget what uh, what famous old uh, sage I guess I guess if if you're a, a a pundit who's old enough you can become a sage like Montagna. I think I think it is oh, very good, would have very good him a pundit but um, I like that. So, someone like that um talked talked about uh, building castles in the air and then building foundations under them um yeah that's, that's interesting that's, that's a tricky that's a tricky art to master I mean yeah, but, very true <laughs> to your point, you know, thinking about, you know, crises of imagination, you know, looking at the the facts that you've laid out there, the situation that we're in, it's mm-hmm. like if, if you want something to change on a, you know, if you want something significant to change in American culture at this time of day, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got to take, putting a massive new expensive federal initiative into place has got to take a back seat. I mean, that's got yeah. to be pushed three or four or five or twelve spots down our list of possible ways of implementing it. Yeah. And yet to a lot yeah. of people, that's the only, that's the only acceptable alternative. And if you're not proposing yeah. that alternative, you're not being serious about it. You must hate the poor if there's not line right. items in the federal budget, you know, doing this thing for the poor.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Haven't people, you know, uh, learned, uh, the fundamental, um, basics of family budgeting and, uh, things like that, where, you know, if you, you can't spend all this money. And I'd say that the the, the, the problem there is um, freely available uh, credit and that, you know, it's just too easy to think in terms of credit. But, you know, um, if you look at the, today's credit cards, um, uh, today's credit cards, a lot of them are charging 18, 20, 22 percent. Yeah. Uh, com- compared to the Fed charging its favorite customers roughly zero percent. Right. Uh, so it's it, we can't speak in terms of of um, the working class and the middle class having access to uh, to cheap credit, or we can't we can't uh, attribute great things in the economy to that mm. either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably more like a carelessness uh, that that uh, it, that's the attitude with which we're approaching uh, credit and uh, and fi- and. Uh, finance both personal and political uh it's it's just carelessness um yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, but, but um yeah how, how do you uh uh it's almost a, it's almost now a, a protection mechanism we have to uh we can't care too much about these things or else we'll go crazy with uh right with and, right
0: that's true right. that's true yeah yeah if, if if you're if you're hung up on think mom well, and that's and that's that's the, that's that's the the religion side of um uh, things is that ah, if that's you're, interesting if you're i mean if you know for a secularist you know what is what, what takes the place of the transcendent for you you have mm-hmm. to have something you have to have something in this world to satisfy that hunger for the transcendent that you have and right. for a lot of people i mean there's materialism that can That can be used to attempt to fill that hole, yeah, um, there's hedonism that can be used to attempt to fill that hole. Um, those right. two and those two aren't you know those are those are joined at the hip. Those are um, joined, one, right. one bleeds off into the other. There's mm-hmm. political there's political agitation or just political obsession, you know the idea that you know by, by God, I want to be part of forcing all of these awful people to do things the right way. Yes. That that gets a lot that captures a lot of people's um, imagination and fancy.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, a utopian moralism or something. I, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. But yes. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then some people some people I mean, you know, from, from my from my point of view, the best of, you know, these poor, you know, poorer than they should be options would be, you know, to, to fixate on something like science or conceivably philosophy in, in, in centuries gone by, philosophy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, now more science. And and science has discovered deeper things, but I don't know that, you know, that I don't, how, that, well, no one understands them. Statistically speaking, no one understands them to the point where they could really compare with the depths of, of philosophy in, in previous centuries. Yes, yes. Um, so that's, yeah, you know, you, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's, it's the best you can do. I mean, that's, that was something I wanted to talk about. And that was what I actually spent nearly all of my preparatory, that's not,
1: oh, please go on. Yeah. My Uh
0: my preparatory time for today was to talk about what the proper role of science was in countries like ours with written constitutions. I mean, that was, I guess that's that's a little bit specific, but um, like like, like I was telling you, I, I subscribe to the nature, um, Newsletter. What is it? Yeah, it's a newsletter. I guess it's it's if it has a different name, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's it's the nature of okay. the the journal. Nature. Um, oh yeah. In Britain, in the in the UK, uh, the significant point of the two, you know, Nature is one of them. Science is the other. Science is US based. I don't know where Science's office are. If it's there in DC, probably. Um. Mm. But uh, but those are the big two. And right. uh, and geologists skew toward nature. Um, science is a little bit heavier into biology and medicine. I think, um, at least broadly speaking. Although you could publish in either one, because they I are they, they are the top level um, journals in in science, basically. So uh-huh. um, so so nature has taken it upon itself to um, to really over the past several months, and and then you know to some degree going back further, but really during the course of 2020, to say, Donald Trump is awful. Donald Trump has declared war on science and his administration has destroyed, you know, American science and it will take, it's, it's, some of the damage may be permanent. It may you know, never come back. And and so, you know, so, so i spent some time reading that. And, and, uh-huh. one, and I mean, and I came away with a broad perspective. I mean, maybe it makes a difference that these are people in the UK writing about the United States and there's that fundamental political mismatch between the two. I mean, it's fascinating, it is fascinating to contrast, just the political contrast between the UK and the United States. The UK has no written constitution. Yes. Period. It's whatever parliament passes. Parliament can yes. pass. And yet, and, and yet it's fascinating also, the second question I actually wrote down that I wasn't sure, and we probably don't have time to talk about it very much, maybe we could talk about it a little bit more with AIDA,
1: uh-huh.
0: Um is that the world does seem to have, you know, governments across the world have drifted sort of in the direction of the United States in the last, especially I think the last 50 years, uh-huh. in terms of in terms of more explicitly having a three branch system. So, I mean, I know the 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 top level legal structure of the UK has changed over time and there is now a Supreme Court of the UK. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a mimicking an American institution, but it's, you know, their, yeah. their system, their system, and I, and I'd love to talk to an actual Brit actually involved in the politics about this, but it's, yeah. it's, it, for me, it's a head scratcher. How does that fit into their system? Why is it needed in their system? Um, right. What does it do? Um, is it just, I mean, it's just another level of appellate court, I guess. Um, whereas, I mean, I mean, yeah, so it's, and of course all it can interpret is, well, I mean, that's the question. Does it interpret the unwritten constitution of the UK um, or does it just interpret parliamentary uh, enactments? Well, I mean, it all, then there's the, the whole common law aspect of it, which we which we inherit. We have that that is that is still here. And that's that's still something our courts comment on. So it's yeah, I mean, our system is, right. in, is this interesting hybrid. Um but we have this written constitution and it is, it is clearly a function of the Supreme court to, you know, and that was, that was decided in the early decades of the country and, you know, not subjected to serious critique um, that the the Supreme court among other things, um, you know, looks at, looks at laws and so, you know, and, and I suppose, you know, and certainly the executive functions as well, and says, "Okay, this is this is actually in contradiction of the constitution that we have, um, which is a mm-hmm. power, of course, that could be abused. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, there's also there's also a, the clear role for a you know, I mean, it's it's the whole Montesquieuian um, you know, con- mutually checking checks and balances between the branches of government so that government doesn't go you know become too overweening. That's that's yeah. how it's supposed to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it did that for a surprising length of time." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unsurprising that after 200 and some years, the system has has started to get kind of long in the tooth and is probably in need of some refreshment. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we we have, yes, yeah, is is that? Um, but that's that's the system that we have, and we have a written constitution. And 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 so to bring it back to science and and mm-hmm. people writing for Nature commenting on our system, um, they don't. You know, the fact that the U.S. has a written constitution that. You know, explicitly limits what the federal government can do seems nearly completely lost on them. I mean, it's yeah. just not something—it's not something they bother with, and it's you know, I mean, so so even they—they they had an article trying to you know critiquing uh, Amy Coney Barrett—that is her name, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I don't know if I spelled her first name <laughs> wrong,
1: um, right?
0: But yeah, yeah. So um, you know, critiquing her on whether she was going to. And, it's, and they made three points about her. And the first one was was really completely vapid. It was, well, you know, she's conservative, and so she'll probably join other conservative justices in gutting environmental laws.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if she does that, you know, presumably it will be because she has, you know, actual constitutional reasons for doing so. Okay, pass. Um, right. I mean, the the second one was interesting in that it brought out something that I've heard about from conservative, you know, uh, I don't want to say thinkers somewhere between some, something in the wide space between a thinker and a talking head is who I'm, who I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, but, but discussing, um, you know, the, the concept of, of deference to federal agencies that became part of, you know, the, the ju- judicial tradition sometime in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, yeah. I've heard it called the, the doctrine of Chevron deference after the name of one of the, uh, the, the cases because it involved the company Chevron, obviously.
1: Really? Uh, um, no, I have not heard that yet.
0: Yeah. But well, the, the idea that the courts will defer to federal agencies due to their expertise. There's in the subject matter of what's being litigated, but My they gracious, will, they, yeah. they will not question that. And so, and so of course the, the critique they make of that and, 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 uh, and justice Barrett is a devotee of that, that school of thought that that, that is not proper, but that's, you know that that makes no sense because it, it destroys the whole concept of checks and balances. It just means the executive agency can more or less write its own ticket, yeah. and it's you know I mean that that's that that's contrary to the philosophy of how our government is set up. And so and of course the you know the commentary on it. Well, that's that's redundant. That's duplicative. You know, there's why why do we have all these experts hired by these federal agencies? I'm like. Realistically, what that means is that the legislature, the legislative and judicial branches need people with that expertise working for them because we have a system of checks and balances. And there is some, quote, redundancy in the interest of avoiding tyranny. I mean, that is that is the explicit purpose of our of our governments being set up this way. And there's just this lack of understanding. Yeah, it's it's, it's all three of the different branches of government. You know, if if you don't really, I think there's so many people who don't really take that seriously or don't really seriously think it through. That that's yes, the branches of our government are supposed to aggressively fight with each other. That's how mm. the system is set up. It really is mm. how the system is set up. And so, what survives that conflict has been tried and tested and is presumably actually reflective of something vaguely resembling a consensus. Yes, yeah. as opposed to, I mean. I think, I don't, I don't suppose it's uniquely progressives, but, you know, it certainly seems to be part and parcel of their milieu. But, well, that's all, that's all a waste of time. And all three branches of government, I mean, who cares about whether they're different branches, all three of them should get on board with the project of implementing progressive reforms, changing things in the progressive direction. That's yeah. what the Supreme Court should do. That's what, the, that's what Congress should do. That's what the president and all the executive agencies answering to the president should do. And that's that's just how it should be, and anything that gets in the way of that is clearly waste and fluff and should be done away with.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't like this reliance on experts who uh, should be, uh, we deem them authoritative, even though my idea of um, uh, being an expert and being authoritative is that you have your feet per- firmly planted in something that is authoritative, there- thereby uh, being in the in the roots of the author of something, something you know um, uh, something that's solid and not shifting sand. And um, uh, bureaucratic policy, uh, no matter how many so-called experts you have on staff, bureaucratic policy is always going to be shifting st- shifting sand. Yeah. Because yeah. it's uh, because uh, you know each individual president uh, uh, Alexa uh, chooses a cabinet and, and yeah. things change yeah. under these people and society changes uh, during their tenure and oh it's uh, it's it's building um it's building a whole lot of confidence into something that uh, really is just um, in flux and uh, inherently uncertain and wouldn't it be ironic now if um, uh, I don't think it'll happen in the next two years now. But uh, if we wind up expanding the Supreme Court, I can picture the Supreme Court like you 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 just, <laughs> indica- you, yeah. you just we'll but, need to we'll need to have like a whole new bureaucracy under the Supreme Court so that these twelve or twenty five justices can have their own sources of expertise mm-hmm. to judge the experts within the federal and congressional uh, bureaucracies. So we'll just add another bureaucracy rather than any sense of authoritative wisdom or transcending truth.
0: Yeah, I guess my take on it's not quite that negative. I mean, I, I I suspect we have close to the number, I mean... Okay, maybe maybe it's not even close. Maybe maybe we do need fifty percent more or something. But we, I, I suspect we have the order of magnitude of experts we need in the whole federal government at present. I hope so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's and then maybe we could reduce them. Maybe maybe that would be better. But um, but in any case, you know, not necessarily worrying about changing the number of them so much as just changing the distribution. Huh. Um, how do you mean? And,
1: uh, how would you? How would you change their distribution?
0: Well, I mean, like I mentioned uh, before, ba- basically take, you know, so if the, the EPA, um, right. you know, has however many um, hundreds of environmental scientists working for it. Yeah. Um, and some number of them, I mean, the ones who are, who are work drafting regulations, I mean, they belong, you know, attached to the House of Representatives or the Senate. They should be. I mean, because fundamentally, I mean, that's that's another, you know, the people who argue um, that Chevron deference is a terrible way to go are mm-hmm. also people who tend to argue that Congress has pretty much given away its legislative authority to these federal agencies. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. And then now 90% of what's effectively law that comes out of the federal government is routed through, is these federal agencies' rulemaking process. Yeah. Um. And that's and that's basically. I mean. And those people are not directly elected. There's and that's and that's the thing. You know. You talk about bureaucracies uh, flailing back and forth. And yeah. and I mean that's that's kind of the spoils system, right? Um, yeah. Of you know every election we're going to reverse course. Um. And that's and that's started to come. That's started to come back around. As opposed to the "quote-unquote" deep state, which is sort of the mid 20th century, um, you know, paradigm of it doesn't matter who's in the White House; these agencies are just going to continue doing their thing.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. which is also bad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> then elections don't matter at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a Scylla and Charybdis to be navigated between there for sure.
1: Well, like, yeah yeah and um, uh, I don't know if the Congress um, it considers too much uh, reliance on the um, on the executive branch uh, uh, bureaucracy for for expertise maybe more so if the two branches of government are in the hands of the same uh, political party uh, they, they might but you know who that you know who Congress depends on for their expertise uh, the um, the lobbyists and the advocacy groups and the people who are contributing money to the, uh, to about, the right
0: a, gri- a great, reliable, bias-free source of information.
1: Uh, exactly, yeah, but, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly yeah. yeah. The opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, no, you're right. I'm not, I am definitely not um, asking for there to be uh, more so-called, uh, experts, but yeah, I, I, I do wonder about these, um, uh the I, 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 I being a reporter covering covering the uh, the experts one thing I saw was that um, it takes uh for true expertise to be exercised uh, it, it takes a fair amount of time and a lot of subtle um a lot of subtle uh, work to be done and uh, the, the 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 top people in the agencies have to have faith in their experts and they can't kind of uh, micromanage and hand down either through regulation uh, or, or through, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, hidden mandate. Uh, they, they can't say, well, we basically want you to come out with this conclusion, um, you know, and uh, you know, if the, uh, and let's face it, some bureaucrats, uh, uh, experts as well as just administrators, um, they're, they're going to, Give their boss what they want uh, yeah. because um, uh, these these folks are making very good money. Uh, they're they're really the, the the people with the most secure uh, salaries and salary monthly uh, annual salary increases of any of any workers in, in the, the United country. States. That's that's why yeah. the, that's why the D.C. economy is so much stronger. Uh, than, uh, any other.
0: It's it's on a uh, permanent, economy. on a permanent sugar high for that reason. Yeah. It's on,
1: oh, I like that. Yes. It's on a permanent sugar high. Exactly. Right. Yes. So that's obviously, uh, uh, it's, um, it's, it's really, again, uh, building a, uh, trying to build a firm foundation on shifting sand. Uh, it, it really is. And we're, and we're trying to do that more and more. And, um, uh, but uh, again, back uh, I, let, let's close this on uh, returning to that idea of science and and religion, because among the things that um, I, I found fascinating was that um, you know um, uh, Biden as an individual, uh, as a matter of strategy, uh, the Democrats let him uh, parlay his uh, Catholicism. And parlay his talk about faith, and also uh, they had the um, they had the slogan on his lecterns. Um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, vote Democratic to heal the soul of a nation. Uh, well, well, th- there's something about the soul that is transcendent and subject only to unmutable, immutable uh rules and and natural law and and some uh shared sense of truth about good and bad and the common good and uh Biden himself has been unfortunately a kind of personification of the opposite of that uh, very much being a, a cafeteria catholic and I plead oh, yeah. guilty to, to being a cafeteria catholic at times in my life at all times in my life in one way or another more than I care to admit probably. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, we all, but, but don't, but don't try to claim, um, allegiance there, to the soul.
0: There is the further question of if, if there's anyone that, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, seemed to dislike. It was not, it was not even murderers. It was, it was certainly not tax collectors or prostitutes of his hypocrites. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: Exactly. And so, yeah, to uh, to put our hands, to put our uh, uh, laws and everything in, in the hands of uh, of, uh, of a hypocritical situation uh, that to me was, you know, perfectly captured by uh, this man, uh, this cafeteria Catholic at this lecture. And it says, uh, you know, let's heal the soul of the nation at the same time that at the during the Democratic uh, online convention, uh, they had taken out um the words under god uh from their recitation of the pledge of allegiance mm-hmm. uh, and they were they were very much uh, in line with um you know uh, uh maybe preserving freedom of worship but definitely not preserving freedom of religious expression yeah, and yeah. Uh, 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 a soul free, to have the free, freedom of
0: doing some private thing in your own ceremony that no one else can see on Sunday morning if you uh, really want.
1: Exactly. To. Don't bother us with what you what you do on Sunday morning. Yeah. 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 And then, so uh, so what uh, so what Biden was actually doing more than he uh, appealed to the soul and to uh, to Catholic or or Christian uh, Judeo-Christian values what he did was he said I'm going to follow what the scientists say. Mm-hmm. In um, in uh, you know solving our pandemic problems, that was his one big maxim.
0: Oh yeah, right? yeah. five. No, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, yeah, that's I mean that's where 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 is the the edge of that ambit and um oh, yeah yeah that's 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 the question.
1: And and you and you as a as a reasonable uh, a scientist uh, yourself. You're you're very open, uh, and most honest scientists would say, "No, sci- science science is in constant flux and debate and uh, discovery and inquiry." Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and then that's that's definitely you know the stuff I was reading today. Um, you know, accusations leveled against Trump is that he he really did muck up the scientific handling of of uh, of the COVID epidemic. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, that sounds, I mean, that sounds like how he ran everything. Um, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> throw people in and out, and undermine people, and yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I, I selfishly would like to get back to just a little bit of um, uh, prognostication here, or, or sort of, uh, what's, what's the word that I heard in some uh, contemporary Jesuit, uh, pray dreaming, pray dreaming.
1: Crazy. Wow. What a good, yeah. go on. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me so, more.
0: I mean, so thinking about, okay, so, so it, Trump is, you know, presu- presuming that he loses the election, he's going to have lost it by a fingernail. Right. Um, and, you know, you could change, all you know, in the, in the non-existent uh, counterfactual, you could change, say, merely the fact that he ran things so messily and, you know, dealt with his underlings so inconsistently and ham fistedly, um, that by itself might have gotten him elected. I mean, you know, so Indeed, so, you, yeah. so you think you think about who who would I mean either party really, because I mean, if you think of who's run for president in the 21st century and then stretching it to include 2000, depending uh depending on your uh, you know, your philosophy on whether 2000 is part of the 20th century, the 21st century. (laughs) Um, But I mean, okay. Al Gore, George W. Bush, John Kerry, John McCain, Barack Obama. Okay. Finally, someone who (laughs) actually could project some sort of image. All right. Big personality, um, you know, could, could project an image because the an image. um, And of course, you know, profited from being, you know, America's chance to prove to itself that it's not a bunch of racist, awful people. Look at us. We were elected a black man. I mean, I remember 2008 and and being swept away by that. And I was like, I mean, that's, that's the only election where I voted for, um, a Republican for president, but I was like, Obama's going to win and I'm okay with that. And we'll see, you know, and and I'm going to try to, um, enjoy, you know, the fact that we can feel good about this. And that that didn't go very far. But in any case, Barack Obama, a big personality. Um, And then Mitt Romney. And then Donald Trump. Donald Trump. (laughs) And and Hillary Clinton. And and then then, um, Joe Biden, who's going to have needed Trump to have all of Trump's warts and a worldwide plague to be going on at the same time that Trump, you know, arguably handled ham fistedly in order to ease him over the finish line into office. Right. So, okay. So I'm looking at 2024. First of all, the, I, perhaps the worst, the biggest drawback to Trump losing is that Trump can constitutionally run again in 2024. I don't like that. I don't like that idea at all. Right. Um, But we need somebody, I mean, we, if I'm identifying myself with the Republican party, Honestly, though, I could identify myself with the Democratic Party. First of all, Joe Biden may not live until 2024. Right. Um, second of all, it's not impossible that he could be impeached in you know 2023. Right. Um, depending on what happens, how uh, if if anything actually comes of all these scandals that have been leveled against him.
1: Right.
0: Um, it could it could be the issue on which the Republicans run in 2022, and actually there could be a majority willing to um, impeach him. Um, mm-hmm. It's not impossible. Uh, not, worry about mean, it too really much. Don't worry about it too much. not worry about it too much. But and, and he could be he could be old enough and in ill enough health he might not want to run in twenty twenty four. He might exactly. find that almost impossible. Right. Um, so for a variety of reasons, this is equally you know this is almost equally applicable to the Democratic Party. Um, we need somebody with a big personality and maybe not as many warts. But I mean, if you look at it from the Republican perspective, okay, it's going to. Someone who would champion what Trump has championed, because obviously Trump has given a voice to people who've gotten really enthusiastic about voting for Donald Trump. Can we yeah. suss out what's positive versus what's negative there? Try to accentuate the positives. Uh, you know, who would that be? Who would that person be who could actually do that? I mean, because that person would be an extremely effective president. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah and, but is such a person on the horizon so if such a person existed would they possibly run for president in this environment
1: Well that's a very good question too yeah those are two very uh, apparently insurmountable uh, uh requirements at the moment because i certainly looked carefully at the uh, democratic uh, uh primaries and all uh, hoping that maybe somebody was was really rising there Uh, You know, who was an authoritative, big personality with that kind of capability uh, to to lead us out of this. And I I didn't I didn't see any. And obviously, uh, yeah, everybody fell back on (laughs) Biden. Yeah. Um, And uh, there must be some people uh, perhaps in the in the Republican uh, uh, Party. Uh, But right now, uh, much of the Republican old guard has been kind of in hiding. Yeah. So we, yeah, so we don't see too much of them. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. We need we need somebody with a big personality and a lot of self confidence.
0: I have an idea. I've just come with this great idea, Bill.
1: So we <laughs> yeah, need
0: get, we need to Fox or somebody. Well, of course, Fox would be on the Republican side, and you know anybody else would be potentially on the Democratic side. Right. We need we need a new reality TV show.
1: Yeah, I think or, that must be the solution to everything.
0: Or, or whatever that's evolving into because the reality TV shows are so 2010s, but um, <laughs> whatever that's evolving into. What we need is a cage match. We need Yeah. We need we need governors and cabinet secretaries that have actually done a decent job, or at least have the perception of having done a decent job, but preferably ones that have actually done a decent job. We and we have a we need a cage match.
1: I love it. Yeah. We,
0: we need them to, you know, we need them to generate some sort of public image. Cause I mean that's the problem. We're getting these retreads. Why oh, yes. why who cared about Joe Biden because they recognized his name? Yeah. I mean, that's it, that right? it. Yeah. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders managed to make a name for himself, so he got okay. We knew Hillary Clinton's name. Why yeah. was Hillary Clinton ever discussed as a serious candidate for president? What's she, what, what, did, what did she ever do? I mean, she specifically, yeah. um, you know, there are plenty of competent women in the country. Why was she the one who got these? this, you know, torch? Yes. Wow. Oh, well, well it's, it's clearly her turn. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Why. Who? Yeah. Who determined this and on what basis? That's right.
0: right.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, and
0: then W. Bush, why on earth was he in 2000? Why? was he the one who ended up getting nominated? There were, there were however many other people in this country, what on earth made him, I mean, he had been governor of Texas for two years for, you know, without a great deal of consequences, my understanding. Um, Why on earth was he touted as, I mean, and then there's Obama, but um, yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know. What, well, what could I, you
1: do? I, we, I, I think we definitely have to devote uh, uh, upcoming episodes to fleshing out this idea of a, uh, a cage match.
0: So oh, yeah, um, we can make that a bonus episode,
1: I think. We could make that a bonus episode. It could
0: be our Christmas and present to y'all.
1: I think that would be really super because uh, uh, yeah, it would be watched because it would be a, a kind of reality show with some big names or recognizable names. Mm-hmm. We, could, we could make it somewhat fact-based and somewhat, somewhat policy-based and somewhat responsibility-based, but it still could be entertaining Which which Americans absolutely need. Yes. Um, So uh, with with those qualifications, I think uh, as a matter of our homework, we just have to go back now and um, and think like uh, uh, CBS executives. Right. and uh, and come forth with some kind of cage. What would you uh, just cage match? I would, what would you call it? Uh, we, we might have to think of a great name for. this. Yeah, we,
0: we need a focus group to help us with that. But yeah,
1: focus group. Yeah. Well, you know, dear listeners, uh, why don't why don't we just ask our listeners to um,
0: yeah by all yeah means.
1: Uh, to please submit some some ideas for this uh, for yeah. this cage match reality show.
0: Go to thatsosecondmillennium dot net and, uh, and and hit us up. Yes, we want to hear your we want to hear your ideas. Yeah, I
1: I think that's a oh, I love that idea. Um and it's exactly the one doable uh path forward that I can imagine <laughs> yeah. at the moment. I can't right. think of any other so let's yeah. stick with that.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we have uh, uh we we've definitely put a uh, an earful out there for our, yeah. for our listeners. so uh So I think we better call it there. But uh, yeah, this was fun. This
1: was fun. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and it also shows that one can or two can uh, retain a little bit of a sense of joy and imagination and uh, hope, um, despite uh, all of the stuff that we've been through. So I I like that idea as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll let you go there, dear listener, and uh, tune, in, tune in two weeks when we talk to Dr. Aida Ramos, uh, a professor of economics at the University of Dallas. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grock, was composed and performed by Vin Markor. For my co-host, Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.